Now, we are especially delighted tonight to have individuals from the Sunday school and young people who were former Sunday school pupils and in the Bible class uh, to assist us tonight in the service. And we're going to have a reading, first of all, from John's Gospel, chapter 3, some of the verses, 1 to 16, and Joshua and Joel is going to both come and read to us that portion of Scripture. Thank you, boys. There was a man of the cross, his name Nicodemus, who loved Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Right back, we know that on the teeth that come from God. For no man can do these circles but through this the scope God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very soon do they accept a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he was old. Can he enter the second time into his mother's room and be born? Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered, Very, very, soon do they accept a man be born of water and of the spirit? He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said, We must be born again. The wind blew for it, and I hear for the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and wherever it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that he so ever believeth in him, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, thank you, boys. That was excellent. We're going to have another Bible reading, this time from uh, Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, and it's going to be read for, by our brother Matthew Lewis. Thank you, Matthew. Worthless shall a young man glance his way, but taking need thereto according to, to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not under from thy commandments. Thy word have not I had I had in mine heart that I might have that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy stat statutes. With my lips have I declared all the, judge, all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy prospects and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. I appreciate Matthew coming up to read to us from the scriptures. It's certainly not easy standing up here at any time, but we appreciate the help of the young people. But we're going to sing three verses of a hymn, this time hymn number 695. 695, and we'll sing together the first three verses. I am so glad that our Father in heaven Thank you. 
That's a glorious truth. Jesus loves me. And I remember in reading in Edinburgh at one time, William Barclay, who had been a liberal, he was in a university and he was asked the question, what's the most profoundest thing ever has come into your mind, professor? And he thought, and he said three words, Jesus loves me. Oh, what a tremendous truth. And I thought even for a liberal to confess that, uh, that, 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 that is indeed tremendous. Uh, we're going to have another Bible reading now at this time. Uh, uh, Sarah Jane Irvine is going to come and she's going to read to us the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15, verses 11 to 24. Thank you, Sarah Jane. And the scriptures say in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when, it came, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came unto his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against thee, against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted cow and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Thank you very much, Sarah Jane, for that reading of the story of the prodigal son. Now we're going to have uh, David and Lawrence, and they're going to minister to us in song. Thank you. There is Land. What a day, glorious day. 
Thank you, boys, that was tremendous. We're going to have another scripture reading now, this time from Matthew Crawford, and he's going to come and read the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 22. Thank you, Matthew. And they brought young children to him, and he, should, and he touched them. And his disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he, and he took them up in his hands, and put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honour thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, go thy way sell whatever, whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Thank you, Matthew, for that Bible reading. And we have another uh, young man as well, 
Stephen is now going to come, Stephen Crawford, and he's going to read to us the story of the widow of Nain's son, how he was raised from the dead. Thank you. Now we're going to have one more Bible reading, and then we're going to have prayer, and we'll bring the Word of God. Uh, Mark McLaughlin's going to come and read to us from 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Thank you. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. Sorry. And the word of the God abideth in ye, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that is the last time. Thank you. And we do thank uh, Mark also for uh, reading to us from the scriptures, and as I've said, we appreciate all the help of all the children and the young people tonight. Now, my text tonight is taken from 2 Timothy, verse 11. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11, and it reads as follows. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Only look as with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And my subject this evening is entitled, A Youth Who Spiritually Relapsed But Was Sovereignly Restored. Now, I believe, young people, that it's important to read and study the Bible for ourselves. Think of the advice from King David that Matthew read to us at the start. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And here's the answer. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I, I might not sin against thee. Sin will keep you from this book. And this book will keep you from sin. And it's important that you hide the word of God in your heart. It's important that you meditate on the Holy Scriptures and memorize it. Maybe you're here and you ask the question, how can we study the Bible? How can we receive profit from reading the Scriptures for our souls? Well, here's one of the ways. Memorize the Scriptures. Learn portions like the Ten Commandments. Learn the Lord's Prayer. Learn the Beatitudes. Learn Psalm 23, John chapter 14. You, you can also not only memorize it, but you can meditate on it. Meditate on its doctrines, the doctrine of God, Jesus Christ and his person and work, the doctrine of 
uh, human sinfulness, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of heaven and hell. You could also meditate on its promises. Do you know there are 7,300 promises in the book? Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. You see, God has given us many exceeding great and precious promises. And they're like blank checks and they're already signed and we can go and cash them in at the bank of heaven. And these promises apply in every life situation in thousands of ways. Think of the words in Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Though often the devil says you can't. But, but by the grace of God we can say I can. How? Is that boasting? No. Through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now another way uh, beyond meditating uh, on the uh, doctrines of scripture and meditating on the promises is to uh, meditate on its characters. Uh, think of the lives of people mentioned in the Bible. Uh, and it's great to have a working knowledge of the life and the characteristics of individuals mentioned in the scriptures and then apply the lessons learned in our own lives. Now, one such character is the life story of John Mark. John Mark is a great character in the Bible. A young man whom I believe was genuinely saved as a youth. He started out well. He had a bright testimony for the Lord. A young man who wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to do a work for God. But alas, while he started out well, he backslid. He badly backslid. He let himself down. He let his mother down. He let others down. Worst of all, he let the Lord down. And yet this young man, who spiritually relapsed, was gloriously and sovereignly restored. And that young man, Paul says to Timothy, and remember, Paul's in prison. He's awaiting execution. It's near the end of his life. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, Only Luke is with me. That was Luke, the beloved physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Take Mark, that, that's a reference to John Mark, and bring him with thee. So when you're coming to see me in prison, I want you to bring John Mark with you. Why? Sure, he's a spiritually relapsed Lord. Notice these words. For he is profitable unto me for the ministry. And I want us to think tonight about John Mark and the little time that we have left. I want you to think, young people, of the conversion of John Mark. Think of these words. Take Mark and bring him with thee. Now, who is Paul referring to when he said that to Timothy? And the, the only logical answer is he's referring to John Mark. And John Mark is first mentioned in the Bible, if you turn to it there, in Acts chapter 12 and in the verse uh, 12. And if you turn to that portion of Scripture, you'll um, discover some truths about John Mark. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. It says there, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together 
praying. Now, let me explain what was going on. There was a crisis of faith in the church. Herod had killed James. He had put Peter in prison. Peter's going to be executed the very next day. And from the day that he was arrested and put into prison, the church gave itself in Jerusalem to prayer. The Bible says in verse 5, and prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. That's for Peter. And that was the practice of the church in a time of crisis. And, 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 and that's a great lesson to learn. In a time of crisis, whether it's individual, whether it's congregational, whether it's, it's national, we should learn like David to give ourselves to prayer. I want you to think of the period of the church in, in prayer. Because the prayer meeting took place over a week. It wasn't just an hour. It wasn't just a day. It was 24-7 for the guts of a week, round the clock praying. And the place we know was the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Now that's the place where the prayer meeting was going on. The home of John Mark. John is a Hebrew name, and Mark, or Marcus, is a, a Roman name. And Marcus was the surname. So it was Mrs. Mary Mark who owned the house. And her boys called John Mark. Now, now think of this young lad. Young people, his background and his upbringing. His mother's a believer. She, too, is a child of God. John Mark has a good and godly upbringing in a Christian home. And that's a privilege. And, and you thank God if you've been born into and brought up in a Christian home. Ephesians 6 and 4 tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is the, 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 the first commandment with promise. Remember, Timothy's experience, and that from a child I was known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And I believe Timothy, or John Mark's mother, called Mary, was doing a wonderful work for the Lord. It appears that there was a measure of affluence in regards to the home. Mary owned the house. It was the house of Mary. There's no mention of the father, no mention of the husband. Maybe he died. Maybe Mary was a widow. Maybe the father had deserted her because of her faith in Christ. But we do know that that house in Jerusalem had a large room for a prayer meeting. And as a mother, she was not only a believer, but, but, but she was a believer who believed in the power of prayer. The house was rich enough to have a servant girl by the name of Rhoda. Did you know that Mary had a brother called Barnabas? Think of Uncle Barnabas, because John Mark was his nephew. And did you know that Uncle Barnabas, he used to live in Cyprus, and he had land there, and he sold the land, and he laid the price that he sold the land for, the money that he got at the apostles' feet. You can read about that in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. And if you don't believe me that Mary and Barnabas were related, then turn to the Scriptures, look at the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 4, and we'll read together from the verse 10. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, 
touching whom ye have received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. Now, now we'll come back to that. Notice the word sister, son, to Barnabas. John Mark's mother was related to, to Barnabas. Barnabas was her brother. John Mark had a rich uncle. And in that home, I believe John Mark had a conversion experience. You think of the knock on the door and Rhoda answers it. They're having the prayer meeting. Peter has arrived. John Mark had to know Peter. John Mark certainly knew Peter had been released from prison. I believe John Mark was there when it happened. Now I wonder, did he get saved as a result of Peter's release from prison? Or was he saved when he was a younger boy? If you turn over there, see, it's great to compare Scripture with Scripture. We were taught to do this in the Bible College by Dr. Douglas. And it's a great principle, a great practice. Listen to the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together, with you saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. Now that's a reference to John Mark. Was he Peter's son in the flesh? No. I believe he was Peter's son in the faith. And it's widely believed that the apostle Peter led John Mark to faith in Christ. John Mark was Peter's son in the faith. And it may have been, if it wasn't before his release from prison, it may have been after the release from prison. What we do know is that sometime in his life, he had a conversion experience. John Mark, a young man who come to the Lord early in life, from his youth, he put his faith and trust in the Lord. Now think of it, from a good home, with a godly mother, a praying mother, a rich uncle. He grew up with wealth and affluence. And yet, this young man, Put his faith and trust in Christ. And I want to ask you young people this evening, have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you genuinely saved? Was there a day, a time when you bowed the knee and received Christ as Lord and Redeemer? Was there a time when you cried out like, Peter, Lord, save me, I perish. Maybe you're here and you're not so young. Maybe you're in the prime of life. Maybe you're in adulthood, but you're not saved. You haven't yet received Christ. And you have a different background and a different upbringing to John Mark. Maybe you've had the testimony of having material affluence in your life. Maybe you have had a silver spoon or wealth, or maybe you haven't. Regardless of what your background and upbringing is, the question of questions is this. Have you a spiritual relationship and a testimony that you know and love Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, Paul wants us to focus on Mark. Take Mark, he says, and bring him with you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. I want you to think of the conduct of John Mark. You see, sometime after John Mark was saved, he suffered a serious spiritual relapse. In other words, John Mark backslid. John Mark failed the Lord. Now, when we think of backsliding, 
We think of one who walked well with Christ and then one who crashed out from following the Savior and went back to the old lifestyle. And in the old lifestyle, they're happy and glad, almost like a, 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 a pig that has been washed, as the Bible talks about the sow returning to the mire. Now, I believe if someone can be happy and glad in their old lifestyle, that they're probably a false professor. They were probably never born again of the Spirit. They're really a stony ground hearer. They had never a new heart. They'd never experienced a real work of grace. They, 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 they never returned to the Lord because they never were redeemed in the first place. Now, I know a genuine backslider can go back a long way from following hard after the Lord. I know that a genuine backslider can deviate from Christ and fail to fully follow him, and they can be cold in heart and mind and lose their first love for a long time. And if that's your experience tonight, that constitutes a form and a degree of backsliding. Every believer, including myself, is prone to such periods prone to such time in one's spiritual life. It was true of John Mark. And it's true of any one of us. This is a real incident of backsliding. And his failure is recorded in the Bible. Look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 5. It says... And when they were at Salamos, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. This is a reference to uh, Saul and Barnabas, or the apostle Paul and Barnabas. And it says in verse 5, and they had also John to their minister. Now, now what does that mean? See, when we read the word minister, we think of a preacher in the pulpit. Well, well that's not the meaning. John, Mark, wanted to be involved in the work of God. And he was allowed to become a helper to the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and Uncle Barnabas. And, and the word minister, literally, as I've said, means a, an assistant or a helper, or literally in the Greek, a, an under rower. You think of a big ship, and this boy's not a seaman. He's certainly not an officer on deck. He, he's not the captain. He, he, he's just a mere helper. He, he's, he's learning to row the boat. As I've said, think of an assistant, someone making meals, tidying the room, sorting out the papers and the parchments. He, he's got a set of tasks to help the apostles. Remember, you don't have to be in the pulpit to serve the Lord. He, this young man set his heart on being a helper. How can I help you, Uncle Barnabas? How can I help you, uh, uh, Paul? Young believer, helping the men of God. Uncle Barnabas, the Apostle Paul, take him with them on their first missionary journey. Now, now think of that. And then come down to chapter 13, verse 13. Look at verse 13 now. Now, when Paul and his company loose from Paphos, Paphos is in Cyprus. So they have been in Cyprus ministering, and they have been all over the little island. It's a lovely little island. And they've set sail from Paphos. And it says they came to Perga in Pam 
Philia. That's in Asia Minor. Now look what we read in verse 13. And John, departed from, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now why? John turns his back on the work of God. And he did so by an act of backsliding. And nobody knows really for sure. And we could guess. Had he failed to count the cost? Had he thought about the thrill of being a missionary? And yet he hadn't given much thought to the hardship and the persecution that would come along the way. He hadn't thought about the problems. Maybe he thought to himself, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I didn't think they were going to stone you. I didn't think they were going to put you in the prison. I didn't think they were going to hound you out of the town as he preached Christ and the gospel. See, Perga and Pamphylia was known for its bandits, known for its robbers, known for hardship and persecution. Another reason, perhaps, he was homesick. It mentions here Jerusalem. That's where his mother was. Had he a concern for his mother? Did he miss home comforts? Did he miss his mother? Someone has suggested, well, maybe he didn't like the climate in Asia Minor. Another has suggested, well, he wasn't happy with Paul taking the lead and having the ascendancy over Uncle Barnabas. Someone else has said, well, he didn't want to leave the lovely island of Cyprus. To go to the mainland. I could understand that being in Cyprus in the past on a couple of occasions. Others have said, well, he wasn't really happy with Gentiles in Perga and Pamphylia getting converted. But whatever the root cause, I want to tell you this, that self was to the fore. And because self was to the fore, because it says, and John, that is, he took the initiative, made the decision for himself, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. And because self was to the fore, he failed the Lord. And he lost his fire for the Lord. And he turned his back on the work. And what he did was wrong. Now, turn over to another scripture, and I'll be as brief as I can. Luke 15 at verse or, or sorry, Acts 15 and verse 37. Acts 15, verse 37. We read there, And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, confirming the churches. Now notice this. Some time had passed. And Barnabas is determined to take John Mark. Remember, blood's thicker than water. This is his nephew. And his nephews had a spiritual relapse. And they have a discussion, Paul and Barnabas. And, and Paul says, well, it's not good. And here's the reason. He departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. You see that word, departed? Underline that word. Because you know what it signifies? It signifies desertion. You think of a soldier 
He's in the army and he deserts his post. What happens to that soldier? Well, what happened in World War I? What happened in World War II? Even those with post-traumatic stress disorder, they were shot. And even though it may not have been right, those soldiers who deserted their posts were shot. And is it any less significant for spiritual desertion? Soldiers in the army of the Lord? You see, it wasn't a light matter. And every one of us is prone to desert the Lord. Every one of us is prone to leave our first love, just like the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. Every one of us is prone to, to quit the Christian race. If I change the analogy, you think of the, the marathon. Is there not a portion in the long marathon of, of people that drop out, that the pace is too tough? You see, that's a danger that we all face. And John Mark faced that danger of desertion. And he decided, because self was to the fore, to make a backward step and turn aside after Christ and the work of God and became a big failure. And no doubt disappointed mum at home, disappointed Uncle Barnabas, disappointed himself and Paul and others. He, he abandoned ship and no doubt, no doubt disappointed the Lord. Young people, because of backsliding, Backsliding can be a tremendous source of discouragement in the work of God. And I want you to think of this young man taking this initiative, as Paul says here, and went not with them to the work. And I would encourage the adults, the mums and the dads here to pray for our young people. We, we preach to the young people. We plead with the young people. We, we won't, of course, lower our standards when it comes to religious worship on the Lord's Day. We're, we're, we're not going to bring in rock bands. We're not going to change the Bible. We're not going to throw out sound doctrine. We're not going to put away the hymn book. But we're going to point and preach our young people to Christ. Because, you see, John Mark's failure had consequences. You, you think of the consequences of his decision, his failure. Paul and Barnabas were minus a man. It was emphasized and went not with them to the work. There was a question about his call. There was a question about his commitment. There was a question about this contention. Notice the word in verse 39, and the contention was so sharp between them. Do you know what that means? That means that there was a row between them. And that row was sort of vicious. And that row led to bad blood. That row led to disgust. Good men viewed things differently. And that difference led to a fallout. I don't believe John Mark set out to disrupt or divide the man of God. But here was the failure that was consequential. I want you to think also of the fellowship that was renewed. If we go back to our text, remember what Paul says to Timothy there in uh, Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in the verse 11. He says, take Mark and bring him with thee. Why? For he is profitable unto me 
for the ministry. You see, remember Paul was in prison, Colossians 4 and 10, and who does he mention? Marcus. And he says to the church of Colossae, if he comes unto you, you receive him. You see, he was given recognition of Marcus. The same thing is said in the book of Philemon. It says, Marcus saluteth you. In other words, Marcus sends his greetings. Could you imagine that letter being read out in in the uh, house of Philemon and the church meets there and Marcus' names is mentioned? Well, well, everybody knows right up and down the length of the land what Marcus did and all about his failure and his backsliding. But somehow, some way, we, we, we don't know exactly when or the circumstances, but something happened that brought this young man back into fellowship. Because his fellowship was renewed with Paul, so Paul mentioned him. His fellowship was renewed with Peter. I believe this young man, when he failed the Lord, wasn't truly happy, wasn't truly content. And you see, the Spirit of God didn't leave him in that backslidden state. I believe he knew he did wrong. I believe that at time he confessed that the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe he repented. I believe he got right with the Lord. I know it probably took time to regain his trust, but he got there in the end. And he proved himself at the end. Remember, God is merciful. Remember, God's a God of forgiveness. The the Bible says there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. A young man who spiritually relapsed and yet in the end was spiritually restored. And that's the conduct of John Mark. And if you are a, a, a backslider here, you can be restored if you confess your sin. And you repent and get right with the Lord. And by God's grace, you can prove yourself at the end to be someone that's reliable and strong and stout-hearted and true for Christ. I want you to think lastly, and with this we finish because our time is gone. Think of the comfort of John Mark. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Think of that word profitable. You see, in the end, Mark's faithfulness was recognized. And not only was fellowship renewed, but his fidelity was restored. Here's a glorious thought. Failure's never final. And whenever someone backslides, turns away from the Lord, let's pray for those young people. Let's not put the boot in. Let's not give up on them. You see, that's the way it is with men. But that's not the way it is with the Lord. Remember what Paul says to the church at Galatia? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, who led this young man to the Lord? It was Peter, Marcus, my son. He said that in 1 Peter 5 and 13. But remember Peter's experience. Remember his failure. He's the one that denied the Lord with oaths and cursings three times. And yet Peter was gloriously restored and given the keys of the kingdom 
And he was the one that had the job of preaching the gospel in the day of Pentecost. Let's hear the word of God as it's found in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 3, we read these words in verse 12. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return now backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Listen again to verse 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. Isn't that tremendous? Listen again to verse 22. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. You know, there's a story told of a minister who was greatly discouraged. He was ready to quit the ministry. He'd been preaching for years. Nobody had got saved. And he says to the Lord this Monday morning, that's it, Lord. I'm not going to preach next Sunday. Whoever likes can preach, but, but it's not me, Lord. I'm going to quit. I, I'm going to resign. And a short time after he had finished praying, the phone rang. And it was this man, and he didn't know him. And the man said, um, I live in such and such a place. And uh, you preached a sermon recently on wasted years from the book of Joel. The preacher said, yes, that's exactly right. And the man says, well, I just want you to know that I've come to the Lord through your sermon. I've lived for the devil. I've wasted many years, a lot of them. I'm sick and tired of sin. And he says, I sat down the other night and I've got this internet connection now in my area and I switched on my computer and I came across this site sermon audio and I put in two words wasted years and your sermon come up and he says I just want to ask you is it true that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten and the preacher had a great conversation with that man and the preacher was greatly encouraged and he carried on the work of the Lord. You see, even though at times we don't think a work is being done, there is a work being done. And that was the comfort of John Mark to Paul's heart. In the end, his fidelity was restored. And Paul says he's profitable to me for the ministry. And could I just mention this as we finish? Did you know that John Mark wrote the second gospel? The gospel according to St. Mark. Who wrote it? This boy that had a spiritual relapse that was sovereignly restored. He was given a fresh start. And he was the penman of the second gospel. And through that gospel, many have been brought to Christ. The failure is never final. And that's the comfort. So I say to you, if you're a spiritual failure here in the church or listening on the internet, your failure is never final. And if you confess your sin and repent of it and turn to the Lord and cry out, he says here that he's married to the backslider. And if you're genuinely the Lord, he'll take step to show your sin and bring you back to himself that your fellowship can be restored and your fidelity can be indeed restored as well. May the Lord take these few thoughts. Thank you for